It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Aha, ha, ha, ha. What it do, baby? Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 772 of Lockdown Raptors. I'm your host, Vivek Jacob. You can follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown Raptors, where you can find every single episode. There's plenty more if you're interested as well, as each of the other 29 NBA teams are available on the Lockdown Network and teams from the other major leagues as well. Please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts, as that is an important part of us being able to do what we do. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. The new and improved Built Bar is even more delicious with six new flavors added to the 12 existing ones, including my personal favorite, the caramel brownie. Built Bar is great for losing or maintaining weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, no spaces, for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. Let's get to it. Today, I am joined by one of the co-hosts of the Dishes and Dimes pod, Sandy, as well as writer extraordinaire at Raptors Republic, Saha Abdi. Thank you so much for joining me. We obviously... You know, there was a lot of excitement heading into a Raptors-Celtics playoff series. It's something that both fan bases have waited a long time for, but uh, that is not what we are here to talk about today. Uh, There are far more pressing matters. Uh, There have been long before, and it has really, really uh, taken, gone to another level with, you know, the shooting of Jacob Blake. And to discuss those matters, I just want to start with uh, the comments that Fred Van Vliet and Norman Powell made. Uh, They were extremely gracious in expressing their thoughts. It's not something they have to do. Uh, What were your reactions? Let's start with you, Sandy, to everything that they've said so far. I mean, mean, to 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 start, start, I think think Freddie and Norman have been incredible this whole time time. in the bubble on speaking <clears throat> on these matters they've been so graceful um but when i saw them yesterday i could tell that it's it's starting to take a toll on them and they're questioning if being in the bubble is worth it <clears throat> excuse me and i totally agree with them i totally understand um that feeling of like exhaustion you know um before the bubble the george floyd um situation happened and um, everybody on the team has spoken about it in some degree, and it's almost like deja vu at this point. You know, it's it's repeating yourself. It's having a predominantly white writers group or reporters that are asking the same questions, um, and primarily just putting the ownership on the um, the players to make statements. Um, 
and though they did come into the bubble saying that they needed or wanted that platform to speak their minds, I can only imagine the toll it's taking on them to, again, be isolated in this bubble to begin with, have to deal with the pandemic, and then on top of that, um, also have to deal with this movement that's happening and, and these incidents that continue to happen um, and having to speak on them over and over again. Um, so I got the feeling that they were both very, like, just exhausted. And that's the feeling that I I completely understand. Sahal? Um, <clears throat> yeah. Um, you know, with Fred and Norman and, you know, um, I know they're not. Uh, he's not a Raptor, but George Hill and the Bucks. Um, just going through their statements, um, it was kind of uh, emotionally tough to read, especially um, as a black man. It's it was it was tough to uh, kind of sympathize with almost exactly what they're going through. Obviously, I'm not in the exact same situation as them. Um, they're in a basketball bubble. They're uh, millionaires. They're um, guys who are um, extremely well off, but also guys that care about the greater cause. Um, Fred made a statement. He made actually two that really uh, stuck with me. Um, if you don't mind, I'm just going to quickly read them. He said, um, us two, we've got to take responsibility as well. Uh, what are we willing to give? Do we actually give an expletive? I'm going to say, I don't want to uh, on here. Do we actually give an expletive about what's going on or is it just cool to wear Black Lives Matter on the backdrop or wear a t-shirt? Like, what does that really mean? Is it really doing anything? So I don't have the answers for you today, but I think we're all, and I'll speak for myself, I'm in a different place today, just emotionally speaking. Um, so that, that was like tough to read because you can hear the raw emotion in, uh, just in, in text. You don't even have to hear him say it. Mm-hmm. saying is, is is what we're doing right now enough is wearing a t-shirt is kneeling before a game is putting a slogan on our on our team bus is is this all enough um and obviously the obvious answer is is no it's not because um systemic racism uh, we hear that term so much um and and a lot of times um on a surface level people think that's just okay slavery and then Black people were treated wrong. Okay, and then um, we're, we moved on. Black people were treated right. They were given rights. And um, everything's okay for the most part, except for isolated incidents. There's a lot of people that think like that. There's a lot of people that think um, that this James Blake incident and the um, George Floyd and um, the countless people, Breonna Taylor, and, and not just, it's it's not just an American issue either. There's, there's a girl named Shukri Abdi who was, um, you know, unjustly killed. Um, uh, in in the UK, um, and and her her stories not being told as much as it should be, um, but it's it's all these people that have that have that have passed away um, unjustly, murdered, shot in the back. Um, sh- people, Breonna Taylor's story is extremely sad, um, but it's uh, systematic racism is something that is, you know. It's it's so structured and it's so structured and and it's it's very methodical um, in terms of um, you know forty fifty sixty seventy years ago uh, even when slavery didn't exist it's 
It's a very um, well-ordered, I guess, organized process um, that led us to this point, which is why we're still in 2020 going through these these incidents. And um, but um, I just I genuinely believe that um, it's just systematic racism, something that we need as a whole, um, as a as a whole community, black white brown it, i don't it doesn't matter what you subscribe to um gender it really doesn't matter um what you identify as i think the only way that we can start um i guess like breaking down systemic racism um i look at it like a tree trunk uh, and everybody has to take a swing a swing at this tree trunk um the only way we can break this down is if we do it together and we do it um in a very methodical way, just like systematic racism was was built and was created. Um, there's only so much we can do on, on, on Twitter, on social media apps. There's only so much we can do, you know, um, in terms of in terms of marching. Um, but I think it really falls on everyone. And I think um, what's most important is people with the ability uh, financially to make a difference, the billionaires in the NBA, um, the, the, the politicians, the governors, the senators, the mayors, um, you know, the federal governments to really take a step forward and, and, and lead us. Um, I think the people can, can only make such a difference. Um, but I think things won't change, um, beyond a surface level until I guess you could say we're all united on that front. Yeah, I think you've hit on an important part there about, you know, obviously the only way to really fight this is if everyone is genuinely fighting a united battle. And I think the part that bothered me with with being on the call yesterday uh, and the one with Pascal Siakam and Nick Nurse today is I feel like there were some people because of the emotion that was this blade and because of the rawness with which they were speaking this was almost like the first time they actually felt it yeah and it just blew my mind because it's been months now that they've been speaking and it's been you know talking about george floyd and talking about black lives matter and every you know all the messages that they've tried to speak like it didn't like the fact that it's had to get to this point to actually feel it for the people who are communicating with them on a daily basis, yeah. that part I find uh, really discouraging. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not, and, and that's why I'm not surprised to see sort of uh, the body language and just how down uh, the Raptors have sounded over the course of this, right? It's like at some point, they can't be the only ones fighting this fight. And that's why they're, you know, the boycott, again, is only going to do so much. But within sort of the circle that they can impact, I think that's, you know, let's get into that now. You know, obviously, them sitting out a game is not going to change, uh, you know, how, you know, impact police brutality and change it overnight. But it can impact the board of governors and sort of force them 
to take action and be more proactive. And I'm just going to read this quote from Fred Van Vliet uh, on what he said uh, about the Jacob Blake shooting. So, for example, this happened in Kenosha, Wisconsin, if I'm correct. Would it be nice if, in a perfect world, we all say we're not playing, and the owner of the Milwaukee Bucks, that's going to trickle down. If he steps up to the plate and puts pressure on the district attorney's office and state's attorney and governors and politicians there to make real change and get some justice. I know it's not that simple, but at the end of the day, if we're going to sit here and talk about making change, then at some point we're going to have to put our nuts on the line and actually put something up to lose rather than just money or visibility. I'm just over the media aspect of it. It's sensationalized. We talk about it every day. That's all we see but it just feels like a big pacifier to me. And I think that's something that hits home. And uh, and I think that is sort of uh, the central message of why uh, they would look to boycott. Would you agree with that, Sandy? Yeah, absolutely. I... Before the... When, the, when they came up with the idea of the bubble and I heard it, the first thing I said... And I've said that it's on um, the Dishes and Dimes pod. I've said this over Twitter. Why are you guys doing this? This is going to distract from the message. And we've seen, indeed, that it has distracted, essentially, from the message. I think what the NBA was hoping would happen is that there would be no shootings between now Um, between when the bubble was created and October, they could just wear their t-shirts, have the Black Lives Matter on the floor, pretend to act, have like a little bit of a PR spin with the NBA because, you know, they're the progressive quote unquote league and they can pretend essentially that this never happened. However, as we see, uh, this is a continuing issue. It's not something that is a one-off. You're going to continue to see black men and black women being shot. You're going to continue to see these things being ignored. You're going to continue to see justice not being um, made in these types of situations. Um, And now it's going to force the NBA to really actually take a stand that goes beyond a t-shirt or having Black Lives Matter on a gym floor. Um, they have to make tangible change. And I think I hate to put the responsibility on the players because essentially they've worked their entire lives to have this moment. They deserve to be able to just go out and play and do their jobs. They shouldn't have to have the burden of this movement on their shoulders. And unfortunately, that's kind of what happens when it comes to these racial um, like conversations. The burden's always on on black folks to educate and tell you what's happening and tell you how we feel and and I think by boycotting it puts it shifts the perspective right it's not just okay the players have a responsibility the owners the white owners that essentially have the money to 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 change things have the political pull to change things it's up to you guys to do something it's not up to these players that are just playing to to make their money and live their lives and just you know they just want to be and that's the thing it's like what I felt from Fred in that statement is like bro like I just want to be able to do my job and be happy doing my job I shouldn't have to have this burden but if I'm gonna have this burden you guys should have this burden too 
right? Mm -hmm. It's not, we're not the only ones that should be carrying this on our shoulders. You have a predominantly black league. You have the responsibility to make sure that it's shown that their, their lives are worth protecting and people like them are worth protecting. And it's that simple. So I absolutely stand behind the, bo the boycott. I'm, I'm upset because, of course, we've been waiting for this matchup forever. And, of course, it would be the Celtics and Raptors matchup that would um, essentially start up a boycott. It's, it's, it's like the universe doesn't want this matchup to happen. Mm -hmm. But if this is the way that we're going to lose this matchup and, and this is the way that it has to shake out, then I'm totally behind it. I'm totally 100% behind it. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. So Hall, I think that's an important interesting point to get on as well is it a little surprising that all these other games and series have been going on and the raptors and celtics have sort of been you know uh at the forefront of a boycott yeah i mean um like sandy said it's it's almost like the universe is just coming together um to, i guess to make these type of decisions the raptors have been at the the forefront of social issues um, they've been, I guess you could say, the poster child for the NBA, um, led by, you know, Masai Ujiri, Nick Nurse, and then a bunch of players who have been outspoken about the cause. Um, and I think that's that's very important, especially, obviously, with uh, almost all American, um, almost all players, I should say, being American, but obviously the, the team itself um, is a Canadian-based team, and I think that's important. Um, it's actually extremely important because I noticed that um, when you know the George Floyd um, the George Floyd incident happened, you know in late May. Um, I apologize. I, I believe it was in late May. I think it was May twenty fifth, twenty sixth, if I'm not mistaken, um, or early June. But when the George Floyd incident did happen, um, I noticed a lot of people, a lot of Americans. And then this comes also to the education topic. Um, we're wondering why Canadians were so sympathetic to the cause. Um, because a lot of, I don't want to say a lot of Americans, but there were, there were some Americans who didn't really believe that Canada had the same issues going on. Um, mm -hmm. Draymond Green? Yeah, Draymond Green was, was, is probably the best example of that. Um, well, I guess you could say on a national media level, but um, that got quelled almost almost uh, immediately um but um just just getting back to the education topic um and this is this is something that i've always wanted to mention i didn't really feel comfortable mentioning it um again around the george floyd incident because I, i'm to be very honest as, as a black man i was i was 
I was traumatized um, learning about that situation. The more I learned about it, and um, I was really disappointed in some things and in how some things fell out um, on social media. And um, but I, I genuinely feel like, in terms of education, one thing that really annoyed me and irked me was the fact that when um, Boston Celtic Gordon Hayward decided to put education reform on his jersey that a lot of people um, were kind of clowning him for that and um, I get it I, I understand that uh, Gordon Hayward has been that that guy who's been linked I guess you could say to um, you know right movements or whatever it is um, obviously not far right but you know he um, the assumption is that he leans to the right politically um, but um, people were clowning him for putting education reform on the back of his jersey because they believed that education reform was was the least you could do uh, for Gordon Hayward. And I think that's that couldn't be further from the truth. I think Kyle Lowry put education reform on the back of his jersey, and, and no one had an issue with that. But um, education, honestly, is one of the most important things um, when it comes to, I think, dismantling um, systematic racism. Mm-hmm. I think if you um, teach children at a very young age all over um, America, all over Canada, about Canadian and American black historical figures and what they meant to this country and the inventions they've, they've made and the struggles they encountered and um, all the things that they've been through in life that helped shape uh, the country, uh, instead of just glossing through it and, and allowing people's... Um, you know, allowing people to just learn about Harriet Tubman and just learn about Martin Luther King. And then that's it. You know, it's um, there's so many um, facts and, and, and um, things that people can learn about black history. So many interesting things and that people can learn that would open them up um, as they get older, you know, um, and, and, and I think would lead to on a broad scale um, less less of an impact of systemic racism um so i think education is extremely important i don't i don't want to veer off too much from what you asked but i just no, no. i wanted to, i wanted to get into that for sure about how education reform is is so so important um in terms of the battle of systemic racism people are asking well, well how do you how do you go about fixing this how do you um how do you attack an issue that's that's been an issue for hundreds of years um, that like I said before was was methodically crafted you know to um, to to kind of make sure that, that the black community was was underdeveloped and and was always a step behind um, other communities in terms of their overall development um, well, how do you attack this well I think education reform is is, is the is the first and and if we look back at this 50 years from now in the year 2070, uh, I think if, if we if we look back, we're going to say, hey, like, uh, if we did take the steps towards education reform in 2020, then um, this would be gone. This 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 would almost be gone. I think education is such an important thing for people um, because now it feels like what we're doing is we're just um, everyone. I'm sure listening to this has has procrastinated on a, on a test before in school, no matter how long high school was for you or university or college or whatever it may be. You've procrastinated on a test and, and now you find yourself on the day before or the night before 
you're kind of just learning everything. Um, you're, you're trying to absorb all the information like a sponge. And I think that's what a lot of people are trying to do now. They're just trying to absorb as much as they can. And they're, um, which is good, which is good. But I think them doing that um, as a child and, and gradually learning about the black experience as a child um, is so, so significant and so important um, in the battle towards uh, ending systemic racism. Yeah, no, that's really well said, Sahal. I, I think that's where everyone has got to be cognizant of the fact that history is written by the conquerors, not the conquered. And there's so many things out there that we just don't know um, because of the way systems have been set up, you know? And, uh, you know, for me, I'm a big cricket fan and uh, they've made more of a deal of, you know, speaking about Black Lives Matter during their broadcast and whatnot. And there's this West Indian cricketer, Michael Holding, and he's like, you even look at uh, a small example of how everyone talks about how Thomas Edison invented the light bulb. And he's like, if you look at the truth, Edison built a filament that went out in like two seconds. Lewis Howard Latimer built a filament that lasts. Mm -hmm. And that's the reason we have the lights that we have today. Mm -hmm. But no one knows. A lot of people don't know that. Yeah. Everyone knows Thomas Edison. And so things like that, you know, uh, you sort of grow up with this image that it's like, wow, it's all white people doing all these great things. And it's like, we got to learn the truth about a lot of these things. And, you know, to to go to your point about Gordon Hayward uh, being clowned on, again, you know, this is the NBA has sort of put the players in this position where they've set the jersey names in terms of what they can choose they're not all wearing what they want to. Uh, Norman Powell wanted to wear MI next. He obviously can't do that. And again, they put these players right from the beginning in this impossible situation where they have to, you know, manage concerns about the coronavirus, be away from their families, uh, and and be a voice for this social justice movement while playing what was supposed to be really intense playoff games. And I think that was always an impossible ask from the beginning. I mean, Sandy, was was this just a matter of time? Yes, it would. Like I said, it, it honestly, George Floyd wouldn't be the only incident. We've seen this time and time again. It was bound to happen again because nothing tangible, no real change, um, or justice has has been. Um, created out of any of these situations or um, gotten out of any of these situations. So it was bound to happen again. Um, I think the NBA was just hoping to dare God that the police could handle themselves for, you know, for a four month stretch and they wouldn't have to actually deal with something while they're in the bubble. Cause now they're forced to actually um, show what their stance is beyond again, a t-shirt, but it was bound to happen. It was going to happen again. We all knew it was going to happen again. And I think I, it, it really forces the it, – it's a little bit of a pivot now, right? Um, players are questioning whether it's even worth being in the bubble for. If they should all be home um, doing things within their communities rather than isolated in a bubble um, with T-shirts that say Black Lives Matter. 
so yeah, it was it was bound to happen for sure. So how you think that too? That like this was this was always going to be too much to ask of them. Um, and and first of all, we have we have to also make clear that right throughout, right from the very beginning, and even now, they've just been incredible in terms of the time they've given to speak on these issues, do everything they've done, and be proactive. Even you know within the Raptors, we've seen how Norman Powell and Fred VanVleet uh, have been using their brand. Uh, to help different foundations, we've we've seen, you know, Kyle Lowry be a big part of the process in terms of establishing what measures the NBA will take in, in working with the NBPA. Uh, but eventually, you know, it felt like this this was going to happen at some point. Like again, with the killings, the the messages were not going to suddenly just change the world, and so. This, you know, this this feels like a breaking point that was eventual. Yeah, it's it's definitely a breaking point. Um, it's kind of like a ticking time bomb. Um, you look at just the last decade, um, and again, social media is, is is important in a sense because, you know, between two thousand and two thousand and ten, when when uh, Twitter wasn't you know as prominent and everyone was on things like MSN Messenger and things like that. I think it's it's important that people understand that social media can is, is, is a is bittersweet in terms of its impact. Um, when things like when incidents like James uh, Jacob Blake, I apologize, um, occur uh, and people are sharing this traumatic video, I don't think that's very um, I don't think that that's really helping the cause, you sharing the video and saying, oh my goodness, like, look what happened. And um, I, I read a post, um, I think it was yesterday, that, that said the term for that is, is called, excuse my language, but it's called trauma porn, where mm-hmm. people are sharing these traumatic videos and think, you know, that just doing that is, is, is making a difference and say, saying like, hey, Look how this guy passed away. Like that's that shouldn't be happening. And it's like, you you can't just share things like that and expect people to just absorb it. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 super tough because like for me when I when I watched that video as a black man, I've I've had a relative who passed away to gun violence, um, not by a police officer, but who passed away to gun violence. And there's people all over who have had uh, people close to them you know, uh, die um, by police or just by gun violence. And when they see things like that, that's not something that they just absorb and go, go on about their day. It's, 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 it's extremely traumatic and it affects you and it affects your day and it, it affects your week. And sometimes it affects your month. Um, you start overthinking and you start thinking um, just like to bring back your Norman Powell, um, his, his Jersey idea, you start thinking, maybe am, am I next as a, as a black guy? Like, what if, what if I'm approached by a police officer and um, he mistakes me for someone else and, and we have a small argument and, and it escalates and, you know, like you, you start thinking of those type of things and those type of things really affect you. And then you think about all the people that this has unjustly happened to Eric Garner, uh, you know, Tamir Rice as a, as a child holding, you know, a little toy gun. And, and being gunned down, Philando Castile, Alton Sterling. There's so many people, you know, Breonna Taylor, um, Tatiana Jefferson, 
Um, you can go on about these names for so, so long in the past decade of all these people who have just died and they didn't have to die. Mm -hmm. And I was having a conversation with friends not too long ago. And one of my friends was like, of course, um, you know, Jacob Blake shouldn't have passed away. And the reason why I'm sharing this is because I know a lot of people think, think like this, where they say, of course, he, he shouldn't have passed away. But uh, why wasn't he just, why wasn't he just following and, and, and listening to the officer? Why wasn't he just complying? If he just complied, maybe this would this wouldn't happen. And first of all, like you have to be very careful when you make statements like that because um, it's important to understand the full context. And when I say the full context, I mean like the full context of the situation before you can make statements like that, because you don't know how he was approached by the officer. You don't. You weren't there. Um, all we know is that he was shot in the back seven times with his kids in the car, and he was looked like he was walking to his car. He didn't. He didn't look like he didn't push an officer. He didn't look like he um was was physically um, imposing himself on the officer he was he walked his car and then there's a bunch of rumors about oh he reached for this and he did that and he did that um to try and justify why he died but like i want to make something clear that that black people shouldn't have to die for not complying thank you thank you for saying that you know like black men and black women should not have to die <laughs> For not complying and I, and, I, and I want to repeat that one more time like black men and women should not have to die for not complying um and then that's a really sad thing for me to say because it's 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 unfortunate that i even have to say that you know yeah um but it's the truth and um it's it's very unfortunate and and people say oh maybe we should just train police a little more maybe we should just um, do these these little things so police understand uh, more and it's and it's like no you have to understand that in a society where black people have constantly been looked upon as um, subhumans to a lot of people um, this isn't something that's going to change because police officers are doing six month training courses instead of three month training courses um, so it's it's a very difficult and delicate situation, and um, I'm very proud of guys like Norman Powell, Fred Van Fleet, George, George Hill, Chris Paul, LeBron James, and so many other players for taking a stand and and doing so much more than than they than they have to in a situation like this. Um, and you know, as as a as a writer for Raptors Republic and you know, it's one of the bigger uh, websites that covers the Raptors. Um, I, I want to make it clear to like a lot of the media colleagues that might be listening to this that um, it's also on us to you know use our platforms. And I know a lot of I see a lot of people have been using their platforms uh, in an amazing, amazing way, including you, Vivek. Um, and and I just want to make it clear that let's let's be consistent. Let's be Let's be consistent in the way we we approach these, the, this situation because it's an ongoing situation. It's it's not something that just erases um, while the bubble's going on. It's it's something that we consistently have to um, attack. Um, it's systemic racism is a plague, and we have to start treating it like that. So um, it's it's important that we all attack this again. Like I said, together. No, ab absolutely, man. Uh, there's there's a lot you've said there that I hope resonates with listeners going forward. 
Um, you know, for me individually, I think, you know, understanding that uh, I need to be vocal because I'll be honest, this, this is probably one thing that I've learned uh, over the last six months uh, that for me, I looked at Twitter as like this work thing where I would come on, I would talk about basketball and that was it. And part of that was me just, you know, I'm not, I'm not big on social media. So if I start living my life on social media, then I'm just on it all the time. Of course. Yeah. But the thing I've come to realize is, you know, being, and, and I would sort of, you know, take comfort in sort of just, you know, knowing that I'm doing what I can within my circle, within my private action and thinking that that was enough. And the thing I've learned the most is that it's not enough. And mm-hmm. it, it's about now being uh, outward in support, outward in being an ally, uh, outward in being an anti-racist uh, and really, you know, uh, trying to push for change because if, if we just keep saying, oh, you know, uh, we do, we do our part, we do our part. And then over time things will change. We've seen how slow that is to happen for sure. And so now I think, I hope that everyone realizes that, uh, whatever it is, whatever steps you've been taking to this point, they need to be ramped up even further. Um, and, that would be my message in terms of, uh, doing more. Uh, is there anything Sandy that you would like to add in terms of, uh, allyship and uh, what needs to be done? Uh, even, even in terms of the media, uh, doing better, uh, to send the right message. I think it's more than just the people, the, the media, um, the media that's currently in place doing more. It's making sure there's more spaces for black people to write these stories. Cause I think a part of the exhaustion that you saw from Fred and Norm was within the context of having, again, predominantly white writers asking these questions of these black um, athletes um, and these black athletes feeling like they don't get it you know this is just like a story that they're going to write about and then they're going to jump right back into oh Luca and and Kawhi right Mm -hmm. so I think it's it's not even enough to say that okay use your platform to to speak on these issues because in some ways those people won't those people will never really understand what these players are going through and what they're feeling it's like it's like something because it's something personal to them right they Mm -hmm. they either know somebody who's experienced this in their lives in some way shape or form or they're traumatized by the shootings that are constantly happening you're seeing black bodies being shot at constantly and it's exhausting and i think that interaction that you saw with Fred and Norm um, yesterday in the presser would have gotten, well, he, you would have gotten a different reaction if 
a black person had been sitting there and said, okay, Fred, like, how are you feeling about this? Like, I know this is hard because there's right. a, a, a understanding there that I think other people may not get. And I think, so, so I say all of that to say that we do need to make sure that the people currently writing these pieces are speaking up. But I think we also need to make space for black writers to be able to, to, to ask Fred or Norm these questions and really delve into um, how they're feeling and, and what their mental is. And, and, and I, I think it would, it would add more to the conversation. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you for sharing that, Sandy. Sahal, for the listeners who are fans and looking to do more, what, what would you what would you advise? Um, I mean, the first step, obviously, is is um, to educate yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so then you can reach a point where you are um, sympathetic and a supporter of of the cause of. Of um, advancing of advancing this cause, so education obviously is very important. Um, there's a ton of resources out there, and again, there's no reason to be shy or anything like that. Um, ask people, um, ask questions. Um, it it was so for me personally heartwarming in 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 late May again, early June when uh, there was hysteria on social media. Um, it was so heartwarming when people were um, DMing me or emailing me, um, not really asking how I'm doing, but because um, there were people asking how I'm doing, and I'm I'm very appreciative of that. But um, people saying, "Hey, Sahal, like, where I want to learn more? What can I do to learn more?" So an important step is 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 taking initiative. Um, but then also. Um, taking initiative outside of your house. Mm-hmm. And when I say that, I mean, when you see injustice happening in front of your eyes, don't, don't be silent. Um, if you see a, a, a black man being questioned or a black teenager being questioned by police um, at the grocery store, at your neighborhood, or a black woman uh, speaking to police, um, stay there with them and, and try and find out more of what's going on. Um, because a lot of times, and I can speak from, again, from personal experience, uh, I went to Ryerson University and I was, I was stopped multiple times, um, because I was told that I matched the identity of someone that they were, that they were looking for. And, um, no one really came to my side. Um, it's happened to me three times in, in the, in the five years I was at Ryerson University. And the third time is when finally another black woman approached me and she said, is everything okay? And just having that type of support, you don't know how much it can do for someone emotionally. I really went home that day and I thought like, wow, like she didn't know me at all and she had my back. Um, she didn't, she, she learned about the situation and um, I think just, just being um, consistent is very important inside and outside your house um, in terms of educating yourself. So I think once you get once you get past that step, I think it's it's very easy to um, move on to things like uh, donating to causes and, and things like that. I'd rather you I'd rather you donate to a cause and, and and be educated about what's going on rather than you just throwing money at at a 
at a fund and then posting it on on your Instagram story, you know, for people to see, uh, or posting it on Twitter. Um, just, just consistency is really is really all all we ask for in terms of how you approach um, the subject. Thanks so much for sharing that, Sahal. Um, I think that's a good note to finish up on. Obviously, we don't know what's going to happen with this Raptors-Celtics series, uh, but I think the most important thing is to uh, recognize the need to support them either way, whichever decision they make. It's an incredibly difficult choice that they have to make. And uh, just as at the beginning, uh, when there were decisions on whether to play in this bubble or not, uh, there were pros to playing, there were pros to not playing. And we're seeing it play out in real time right now. And uh, we see them obviously taking the time to make whatever they feel is the best decision. And I think uh, the best that we can do as consumers of the league is to support whatever decision they make. Uh, Sahal, Sandy, uh, thank you so much for joining me today uh, for this episode. Don't forget to listen to Dishes and Dimes every chance you get. You can find Sahal uh, at Raptors Republic. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On Raptors. Uh, remember, you can subscribe rate and review. Uh, Take care. Have a good one. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.